How are you guys? Great. I heard some greats. That's next level stuff right there. Um, my name is Dylan Meyer. I'm the youth pastor here, and I'm excited to join you guys this morning. Um, we've, we're in the middle um, of a series called A Mile in Their Shoes, um, and I love this series. I think it's super cool. Um, I love the opportunity to look at um, characters from Scripture and see how they encountered Christ and to see how they experienced Christ. Because when we put ourselves in their shoes, we get to understand um, a little bit more about Scripture, but even more than that, we get to understand more about Jesus because we see him in a different light when we put ourselves in other shoes. And I think that's super exciting. And so I want to give you guys a little spoiler. Today, we are going to be speaking about Mary Magdalene. Um, but don't get ahead of me. Before we get there, I want to ask you a question. What does freedom mean to you? And I don't want you to respond audibly, and I want you to, to shout back at me, um, but just kind of consider that for a second. What does freedom mean to you? And as you consider that, consider your context. Context is everything. That's always good to remember in Scripture. It's also good to remember in life. Where you're at, the things that are going on around you um, impact the way that you see everything. And so right now, on this day, on your almost 4th of July, what does freedom mean to you? Because this is what freedom means to me on a day like today. Freedom means that I can worship the God that I love. Freedom means that I can share a meal with friends and family. Freedom means that I can buy too many Nerf guns and it's okay. Freedom means that I can have all of the accessories for my grill and then some and share in those spoils. Freedom means that I can eat ice cream for supper but only when my wife is gone. Freedom means that I can take a house or an apartment and build it into a home. What does freedom mean to you? Freedom means that we have opportunities to make choices. We have opportunities to step down paths. We have opportunities to engage in aspects of life that we otherwise wouldn't have. Um, that's the American dream, yeah? But when I sit with that, sometimes I find myself seeing the American dream also as the American struggle. Because I have so many choices and so many opportunities. And a lot of times when I think of freedom, I think of freedom as the freedom to do whatever it is that I wish. But what I found is that when I make those choices, those choices are also paired with responsibility and with consequence. And don't, don't be too Debbie Downer yet. Consequence can be good or bad. There are fantastic consequences you should see what comes off of my grill. That consequence is phenomenal. Am I bragging? A little, hashtag humble brag. But there are good consequences and there is, there's freedom in that. We sometimes think of freedom as the freedom to do whatever it is that we wish. But I read this quote a while back and I can't place exactly where I, where I found it. Um, so you're just gonna have to trust that somebody said it and they're smarter than me. Um, true freedom, true freedom, 
is not freedom to do whatever we want, but rather freedom to do what our heart most deeply desires. Let's say that one more time. True freedom is not freedom to do whatever we want, but rather the freedom to do whatever our heart most deeply desires. And that sounds awesome. But if you're like me, you're wondering, well, what does my heart desire? I don't know a lot of times. Because for me, that varies. Sometimes my heart desires to build a home with my family. Sometimes my heart desires to start a family. Sometimes my heart desires to eat cake. Because I love cake. I didn't know that. My wife made a zucchini chocolate cake this week in a 9 by 13 pan. It's gone. And apparently, if you put vegetables in cake, it makes it better. Didn't know that. Doesn't make sense, but trust me. But the, the desires of my heart value almost on a day-to-day kind of thing. They vary. And so when I sit with that, my understanding of freedom, I, I wrestle with this tension. What does my heart truly desire? Where where do we search for that? Where do we look to find the desires of our heart? What pursuits do we allow to guide our lives? When have we arrived? At what point in freedom do we realize that we've made it? And then, how much is enough? When I've achieved what I've set out to do, how do I know I'm done? Here's some of the things that my heart desires. And so I'm just gonna I'm just gonna throw it out there and then I'm also gonna tell you the consequence that I've borne with it. And so if this resonates with you, awesome. If it doesn't, consider maybe what you've been chasing. My heart desires impact. I want to leave a mark on this world that means something to somebody that's not just me. But in that, there's been times where I'm so focused on the future that I miss the present. I desire to be a husband, to provide for my family. But in that, I've realized that I have no capacity to provide love for my family when I'm always in the office providing in terms of finances. My heart desires purpose. I want to do something with my life that means something. But in that, there's been times where my schedule is so full that my heart only desires to escape the life that I've made. I desire healing, but sometimes so desperately that I settle simply for numbing the pain. My heart desires affirmation but sometimes so much that I'm willing to change the very fiber of who I am simply to hear a few kind words. You see, my heart desires many things. And I don't always know where to look, where to go, or when I've found it. You see, we search the ends of the earth for the desires of our hearts, only to find that our hearts were not crafted by the world that we live in. You see, we are oftentimes bound in our very search for freedom, as ironic as that seems. And with every step, 
every attempt to grasp at that freedom, it seems even more elusive. So what truly sets us free? What is it that our heart really desires that we can grasp, that we can hang on to, that we can obtain, and it's tangible? Let me introduce you to Mary Magdalene. We're going to jump into Luke today, but let me paint the picture around that some. Scripture doesn't tell us a ton about this woman, but what it does, I think, we can weigh with importance. So Mary Magdalene, is, that would have referred to her as Mary of Magdala, Magdala being a place um, on the western shore of the Sea of Galilee, which that's kind of where Jesus was stomping around when he was doing his ministry, and so that's where they would have come into contact for the first time probably. And so the world then was very different than it is now, but the desires, the desires and pursuits of those people were likely very very similar to where we find ourselves. And so, although Mary's circumstance, her context may have been very different from where we find ourselves in some very real ways, like she probably didn't have an iPhone, things like that, we can probably understand that her desire also was to be truly free. And so when we jump into Luke chapter 8, what had happened just before this was Jesus was having dinner with a Pharisee. And there was a sinful woman that came in and interrupted their dinner and fell at Jesus' feet. And she, she wept at his feet. And in that, there was this beautiful exchange where he offered her forgiveness and he offered her freedom and he offered her a new life and used that opportunity to teach a Pharisee a very important lesson. That seeking forgiveness speaks of your love. And Jesus used that to demonstrate that this woman loved him. And then we jump into where we're meeting in chapter eight, it says soon afterwards, soon after that encounter, Jesus went through the cities and villages proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. And the 12 were with him, which we assume, and a lot of times I feel like we understand and know, but this is something that Luke states. Also, some women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities, Mary called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out, and Joanna, the life of Chusa, Herod's household manager, and Susanna and many others who provided for them out of their means. So the 12 were not the only people traveling with Jesus. He had a pretty good little posse going on. As he went and he encountered people and he interacted with people, they moved with him in obedience to where he was going. And we see that it was not just the 12, but there was also a group of women that were traveling with him, one of those being Mary Magdalene. And again, there's not a ton painted in scripture here. But what we do know is that Mary had seven demons cast out of her. And in passing, you're like, wow, that seems like that's a lot. I think it is. That is a lot. And so you can tell that she was coming from a very broken place. And her encounter with Christ set her free and set her on a new path. And she received freedom in that encounter. 
if we zero in on that a little bit, we can see that Jesus took a sledgehammer to her life. And it's easy to overlook that because we just kind of look and assume, probably rightfully, that that life wasn't great. But it was everything that she knew. And Jesus just destroyed it, made a muck of it, wrecked it up for good reason. But in that moment, we see that Mary has freedom to do whatever it is that she wishes from that place. She chose to travel, to move with Jesus, and to stay in step with him. But I think it's also appropriate to understand that she had the freedom to do everything that she had already done a second time. She had the freedom in that moment to choose to live the exact same life she had been living and just do it again. But instead, she chose to travel with Jesus. She obediently walked in that freedom. And I think there's something here that I want to point out because Scripture sometimes puts emphasis appropriately on important things. But I think we can also see important things on how Scripture does that and sometimes what Scripture leaves out. You see, because that initial counter encounter with Jesus is not in Scripture. This is the first time that we meet Mary Magdalene in Luke chapter 8, and the fact that she had seven demons cast out of her was almost an afterthought of, hey, if you guys don't know who this is, it's that one lady that had seven demons cast out of her. But what Scripture is emphasizing is that she was traveling and walking with Jesus, so it's not the initial encounter that was significant but rather her obedient walk after that. It wasn't that one-time moment. It was her path afterward, and not because the encounter was insignificant. You cannot look at that and tell me that having seven demons cast out of you and having the freedom to choose Christ for the first time is not significant. But the freedom every day that follows to continue in that journey and to stay near to him, that is just that much better. And so when we look at this, I think we can see that Mary found a difference here. She found the difference between receiving freedom and experiencing freedom. And those seem very similar, but what I want to point out is receiving freedom can be a one-time thing. She very easily could have received freedom and then gone back to where she had already been, which I think we find ourselves doing all the time. I know I do. When I find that encounter, when I experience Christ in that way, and I step into freedom only to retreat back to the bondage that I'm so familiar with. That is receiving freedom. But experiencing freedom is living in it, obediently and walking with Christ every step of the way as he continues to guide us from where we were to where he has prepared for us. And we see that. You see, because this is the first time we meet Mary, but it's not the last time we meet her. And so let me just give you a quick glimpse of her life. See, her life at that encounter isn't mentioned in Scripture, but in here only as an afterthought. But what happens after is we see that she found freedom at the feet of Jesus. But what we see after is that she fought and sought with everything she had to stay at the feet of Jesus. Because it says here, that she continues with him in his ministry, that she seeks after him. And we, then we see again when she's at the foot of the cross 
looking up at him, still seeking to be at his feet. And in those encounters, when we see those in the Gospels, they point out Mary as someone who had been with Jesus in his ministry, ministering to him. She was traveling with him and with everything she had, seeking to offer something back to him, to care for his physical needs. And that group of women, it's, it's appropriate that we could assume they would have been trying to also sustain that ministry financially. There was a lot going into this. This wasn't just a one-moment encounter, but a path of life that she continued to journey on as we see her at the foot of the cross. And then again, as she moves with Mary, the mother of Jesus, as Jesus is pulled from the cross and taken to burial. And then again, we see her at the tomb as she's carrying spices to anoint Jesus' body in death, and then again at his resurrection. You see, Mary didn't just meet Jesus in freedom one time, but continued to seek to be in his presence, to be, in, be at his feet. She didn't want to just receive freedom. She wanted to experience freedom, a freedom that lasts, a freedom that she could live in, not just touch and then let go or cast aside. And God wants us to experience freedom. Not just receive it, but to experience it. And so when we're searching the desires of our heart across the whole world, he wants us to experience freedom. When he meets us and all the things that we're tangled up in, he wants us to experience freedom. And a freedom that lasts a freedom that responds to his love and reciprocates. We search the world for the desires of our hearts. And Mary points out, God knows our hearts even better than we do. And he wants to give us exactly what we need. See, true freedom is found in obedience. Because as we walk in step with him, we learn that we can trust him. We learn that he wants nothing but the best for us. But what does obedience look like? Because I think it's fair to say and fair to assume that everybody's walk is different. Everybody's journey is different. And so just like Mary Magdalene had a very different story than we do today, there are different stories in every pair of shoes in this room. So what does obedience look like in your life? Because I guarantee it doesn't look the same as it does in mine. So obedience to me sometimes is waking up and brushing my teeth because I care about my body. God gave it to me. That is an obedient step for me. That looks different for everyone. Please brush your teeth. But I think Mary points out something very simple almost as a structure or outline, when we look at her life, we can see these three components of how she walked in obedience with Christ as his disciple. The desire of Mary's heart was to love him, to serve him, and to learn his ways. It is very, very simple, and I think that's, that's the beauty of obedience, is that it's not as complicated as we often make it out to be. It can be very simple. Love him, serve him, learn his ways. The way that we do that, I think, can be different. 
that's the initial, that's the content, that's the meat and potatoes, that's the amazing part. How you do that is up to you and Jesus. The way in which you love him can be different. Mary did that by traveling with him, by ministering to his physical needs. If you have an opportunity to feed Jesus, by all means, go for it. But it probably looks a little bit different for you than it did for Mary. But don't forget the least of these. How you serve Jesus can be different based on the way that you, what you bring to the table, the talents and gifts that you have. Not everybody is made the same. By all means, serve him the way he has prepared you to do so and learn his ways. It's simple, it's beautiful, and I am so, so guilty of overcomplicating that. Because if I, can send, if I can convince myself that it's complicated, it's a lot easier to avoid doing. And sometimes I don't know where to start. I know that Jesus desires a life of freedom for me, but I don't know where to start. Where, how, do, how do I get there? How do I do that? Put on your shoes. This is what I mean. A while back, I was focusing that season of life on my physical health. God was teaching me that he desires to restore all of me. And so I was focusing on eating healthy. I was focused on going to the gym. I don't like going to the gym. Is it good for me? Yes. Do I enjoy it when I get there? Most of the time. Is it easy for me to get my rear end out the door? Absolutely not. You see, what I found was if I can get my body to the gym, I will probably do something. Because it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to go there and then waste time. But it's really easy to stay at home and waste time because there's things there that are way more fun to do. And so I was looking, well, how do I start this healthy habit? And what I found was if I get dressed to go to the gym, I have a better chance of going. And so that was my simple first step. Instead of saying, I'm going to go to the gym, I would say, you know what? I'm going to go put socks on. I'm going to go put shoes on. Because that helps me get headed in the right direction. It's not about making the whole journey in one step. It's one step at a time. And so very simply, if you don't know where to start, put on your shoes. But I also think it's important to point out wear the right shoes. You see, because after I was married, I found out that there's not like a one-size-fits-all kind of shoe for every occasion. Things are different. I didn't know that. Fashion apparently is a thing. I was not aware of that at the time. But now, I have lots of shoes. Tell me why. Not entirely sure. But I have lots of shoes, and they're all for different occasions. You see, because I have dress shoes those are not ideal for going to the gym. I have work boots that have cow manure and concrete and all of these other things on them. Those are not ideal for coming to church and spending time with people because they smell. Okay? I have shoes for different occasions. I have flip-flops. Those are fantastic for going to the beach. Those are not ideal for going to the gym or going for a run. I have basketball shoes. Those are phenomenal when I'm playing basketball. But what I found is if I wear them outside of the basketball court when I take them back, they function less effectively. Wear the right shoes 
for where you're headed. And then put them on. If you're not sure how to start your obedient walk in freedom, put on your shoes. You see, because God wants us to experience freedom and obedience. So take one step closer to Jesus today. We're going to move into a space of offering, but as we do that, I want you to consider what is it that God is asking of you today? What, what is he asking of your life? What freedom is he laying at your feet? What pair of shoes do you, do you need to put on? How can you effectively love him, serve him, and learn his ways? And I, I don't know what that looks like for you. Your story is different. Your shoes, they don't fit me. And my shoes don't fit you. Because your walk is different, and that is the beautiful thing about the body of Christ. It's because when we all love him, serve him, and learn his ways, the way that we do that differently makes us so beautiful in the way that we love him. But I also know that our whole journey is bigger than we understand. And that's a beautiful thing. I, I remember asking God on several occasions, tell me where you want me to go. And I was expecting him to, to give me a spotlight for the end of my journey of freedom. And instead he showed me a few steps. Because if he showed me the whole thing, I would probably pee my pants, freak out, and run away. Because the plans that God has for us is so much bigger than we can fully understand. But what I do know is that if I take one step, I think I can take another. And so if that's all you need to do today is to take one step today, that's better than one step tomorrow. Because if you can take one, then you can take another. God wants us to experience freedom. A freedom that's true, a freedom that lasts. Take one step closer. Will you guys pray with me? Father, we thank you for the way that you love us. And I just pray that we res respond obediently. I know that obedience looks different for everybody, but I know that it's beautiful because when we walk in step with you, the plan you have for our lives is so much better than what we have for ourselves. So God, teach us to walk with you. Teach us to respond to you. Teach us to walk with you in your ministry, to serve you, to love you, to learn how you do life because we want that life, God. Light a fire in us that every step would just get a little bit easier as we get in the habit of walking with you that we would hit less stumbling blocks because you're lifting us up. God, I love that that could be normal for us, that walking with you could be just another ordinary day, just as beautiful, but ordinary. God, teach us to live ordinary lives that are engrossed with you, that are enmeshed with everything that you have for us. Jesus, light us on fire in a way that normal for Manhattan looks different because of the way that you live here. God, set us free. because you love us and may we re respond in freedom because we love you Father make our path straight Amen